In our vast and diverse country of America, there are a lot of differing thoughts and opinions and ideals. But aside from our diversities, there are some stories that bridge all the gaps. One such story is the story of the people we have come to call pilgrims. I bring to you now that amazing Thanksgiving story, the story of the pilgrims, of their courage, of their faith, of their hope. In the early 1600s, a small group of people, Christian people, lived in England. At that time, the Church of England was the nationally recognized church, and all the citizens were expected to recognize it as such. But this small group of Christians did not agree with the activities of this Church of England, especially the fact that the Queen of England was the head of that church. They spoke out and said that no one can be the head of a body of believers except Jesus Christ. They were sarcastically labeled Puritans because they sought to purify the church, and they were actually driven out of England. So they fled to Holland, but there was no peace for them in Holland. They were seen as foreigners, unskilled laborers, and the pilgrims became very poor. They had to find somewhere in the world to live without being persecuted for their beliefs, but where? They had heard about this new land, America, but America was far away. And so many who dared to make that voyage, so very many, had died. Some died at sea. And of those who successfully made the long trip across the Atlantic, many were killed by hostile Indians or disease or starvation. According to some accounts, of those who came to America, only 10% ever made it back. But these pilgrims did not place their hope and safety in themselves. They believed that God was their only true help. So they set themselves out as a group to pray and fast, asking God to reveal His will for their lives. And after much seeking, it was clear that He wanted them to go to America. So they went to America and lived happily ever after, right? <laughs> Wrong. On September the 14th, 1620, they set off on their long voyage, but almost immediately their ship began taking on water. So they were forced to turn their ship around. And finally, once again, they set sail, and it took them seven weeks to cross. Now, think about this. These 102 pilgrims, these men, women, and children, they were not in charge of the boat. They were forced to live below the deck in the hold of the ship for seven weeks. And the trip took so long, they not only ate the food meant to feed them as they crossed, they had to begin eating the rations they had set aside for when they arrived in America. But finally, on November the 11th, 1620, the new land, America, was sighted, and not one pilgrim had died. Those on the ship were amazed. But there was a problem. They had planned to land and settle in an area which was reported to give them their best chance for survival. But fierce storms drove the Mayflower north, way north, until they came to an area we know today as Cape Cod. They were glad to be safely landed. They were confused and concerned to be so far from their intended destination. Why had God brought them here? 
They could have worried and doubted, but instead they chose to trust and believe. And when they finally made it to shore, what did they do? One personal account tells us this. Being thus arrived in a good harbor and brought safe to land, we all fell upon our knees and blessed the God of heaven who had brought us over the vast and furious sea. Not only had God saved them, he had brought them into a land that had a rich and fertile soil and four spring-fed creeks close by. And it was another thing. They found an abandoned 20-acre piece of land rich with soil, which had already been prepared for planting. But just who had prepared the field and then left? It was a great mystery, but one thing was clear. God could not have picked a better place for them to live. But by now, with all their delays, winter was upon them. They had limited food, no shelters, and the harshness of the bitter winter came so quickly that as the pilgrims worked to build the shelters, their hands were so cold they could hardly hold their axes. The ground had frozen, the chances for finding fresh meat had passed, and they were running out of food. The pilgrims began to get sick, consumption, pneumonia, and the pilgrims began to die. There were six in December, eight in January. By February, they were dying at a rate of two a day. What would happen? Would they all die? Could things get any worse? Perhaps they could because one day, unexpectedly, uninvited, an Indian came into their camp. Was he a scout for a war party? Were they all about to die? But once again, God performed a tremendous miracle. The Indian's name was Squanto, and his coming to their camp was no accident. To their amazement, Squanto spoke good English, and he told them an amazing story. This area where they had landed had long ago been the territory of a tribe of Indians that so hated the white man they had murdered every settler landing on those shores. And Squanto was part of this tribe. But years ago, he had been captured by slave traders, and through a series of miraculous events, he found himself living in a monastery in England. There, he learned to speak English, and he learned about God and the Bible. Finally, he was allowed to return back to his home in America. But when he returned, just six months before the pilgrims came, he had received a tragic blow. He discovered that all of his tribe, all of his family, had died from a mysterious illness, and all the surrounding tribes had fled the area. Well, that explained why there had been no Indian attacks. That explained the land cleared and ready to plant. That explained why God had brought them here. He was truly their Savior. So Squanto determined to help these very weak, sick settlers. He helped them to gather food. He helped them with their shelters, and they did survive. The next planting season was a great success, and by the fall, they had enough food to last them through the coming winter, they thought. But in November, the first ship from home dropped anchor, and 35 more pilgrims joined them. 
It was a great reunion, but in all their excitement, no one noticed that these 35 new colonists brought with them nothing. No clothing, no tools, no bedding, and most important, no food. After the jubilation, a grim decision was made. They would all have to go on half rations until summer, but the winter was so harsh that it made conditions even worse until finally their supplies were so low that the rations were reduced to just five kernels of corn per day. It's almost inconceivable just how anyone could live on five kernels of corn. But God had another miracle planned. Unexpectedly, a ship on its way back to England landed. It had no food, but it had something just as good— beads, knives, and trinkets, which the pilgrims could trade the Indians for corn. And once again, they were saved. They survived the winter, and miraculously, not one pilgrim died of starvation. That next planting season, they were blessed with an abundance of food. The pilgrims were so full of gratitude that they declared a day of public thanksgiving. It would be three days of fun and feasting. They sent out the word. All were invited to share in this celebration, but they had no idea that their offer would be taken by so many. Squanto came and brought with him 120 braves. They came with meat, turkey, and venison. There were games and fellowship, and the meal, it was truly a feast with many courses. But the first course was the most important, just five kernels of corn to remind them of where they had been and how truly blessed they were. Some would wonder how these pilgrims could be so thankful with all the hardship. I believe it's because they never stopped being thankful. Through it all, they refused to be beaten down by their unbelievable circumstances. Most of all, they kept their eyes on God. For us today, these small band of pilgrims have not only given us a Thanksgiving tradition, they have given us a legacy. Their own account said it this way, As one small candle may light a thousand, so the light kindled here in Plymouth will show unto many. We note these events so that you might see their worth and not lose what we have obtained with so much hardship. Folks, What we need desperately in America today is to turn back to God. And like the pilgrims, to seek His joy for our lives, to rest assured in His loving hand, to know that He cares about us, and to be thankful. Take a moment today and pray for our country. Pray for all mankind. And take a moment and thank God. I'm Jerry Stewart. If you'd like to know more about the programs that I produce, if you'd like to know about the various radio stations and one that might be in your area across our nation, then go to jerrystewartusa.com and take a look. You can also find there my catalog with so many hundreds of programs that I've produced. And you will find that it's very friendly for children too. God bless you all. See you next time.